Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino, one of your co-hosts, and of course joining me is your other co-host, James Johnson, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire over on USA Today. And Jay, uh, good to be back here with you, although we are going to be talking about yet another Jacksonville Jaguar loss, and this one in just really, really ugly fashion, so we're going to get into that here in just a moment. But other than that, man, it's good to be back here with you. You know, the season is winding down and we'll get into our wheelhouse here in the next few weeks, which of course will be the off season. But for now, how are you doing? Again, it's good to see you, Jay. Yeah, my man, I'm glad to be back, man. Um, as I said in uh, the Titans podcast, it was a Titans podcast I did with Broadway Media with Justin Mello and um, his buddy, his other buddy, whose name is Justin as well. Uh, just trying not to let the Jazz get me too down in this month of December where, uh, you know, it's supposed to be more about the holiday cheer instead of uh, watching them get ran up and down the field as they did in their 37-7 loss uh, to the Los Angeles Rams. So, I mean, yeah, despite what we witnessed in terms of the game, aside from that, everything is all good. Uh, can't complain. I'm glad to be back, and we appreciate it, as always, all of the support that we've been receiving in terms of rating, commenting, subscribing, interacting with us on Twitter, you name it. We appreciate it, and yeah, man, ready to get this one on the road and uh, talk about uh, some things that we saw on the field, which uh, was not all that impressive this week, which has kind of been an ongoing theme here. Yeah, and again, you might see this episode and see that's a little bit shorter than others because, again... Uh, at this point of the season, we are going to get repetitive and we just don't want to do that. So we're going to touch on a couple of things as far as what's going on right now. And of course, the future of the Jacksonville Jaguars, because we want to get into that a little bit as well. And to echo what you said here, Jay, if one of the only things in life we do have to complain about is the Jacksonville Jaguars and this football team that we cover, then everything else is going pretty well. You know, we got our health and we got each other. We got our families. So, you know, all in all, other Jaguar fans that are also struggling with how bad this team has been. Just remember that. We certainly hope that all of that is going well for you guys heading into this holiday season. But before we get started, as Jay also said, we thank you all so much for the incredible feedback that we have received. If you are enjoying the show and you're listening on your Apple device, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. That's one of the best ways you can support the show. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, Amazon Music, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can follow the show at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is at SportsGrind underscore Dawn. Of course, make sure to keep up with the JaguarsWire.USAToday.com for all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. And we have to give a shout-out to our sponsor, BetOnline, because BetOnline is back and better than ever with a brand-new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today 
and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Jay, and with all of that out of the way, we do want to talk about a little bit of news before we get started. And the first is uh, some news that was announced earlier today in that Miles Jack has been nominated for the Jaguars nominee for the 2021 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Of course, notable names from the past on this team here, Jay, of course, being Josh Lambeau. Last year, a couple years ago, Calais Campbell was the Walter Payton Man of the Year. I believe Paul Puzlesny has been nominated for this in the past as well. So, you know, definitely a really prestigious nomination. And it said here in the press release, the Jacksonville Jaguars have nominated linebacker Miles Jack for the NFL's 2021 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. The NFL announced today, consider the league's most prestigious honor, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award presented by Nationwide, recognizes NFL players who have not only exhibited excellence on the field, but also whose passion to impact lives extends beyond the game and has led to leave a positive legacy in their communities. And Jay, we've talked about Miles Jack in the past as far as, you know, we got off to a little bit of a rocky start on the field as far as some of the mistakes, you know, mental mistakes he was making. But man, we have really seen that growth from him over the last couple of years, really becoming a leader in this locker room and more importantly, in this community. And congratulations are definitely in order for Miles Jack. Really happy for him. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I mean, like you look at this award again, we kind of get and it's our job, you know, we kind of get caught up in what's going on in the on the field and whatnot. And it, it hasn't been like uh, a elite year or the, the greatest year for him on the field. But, you know, when you look off the field again, that's part of the equation, too, just as sure as the, the things that go on the field is a part of this equation, too, is uh, what kind of community figures are you bringing into the community? And we've said this before, you know, we say it when we, you know, when we go on rants about certain players that aren't performing well, you know, we make sure that we make it clear that, hey, well, this guy is doing the right things off of the field. I think the last one we actually talked about, it was, it may have been Rayshon Jenkinson. That being said, uh, with, with Miles Jack receiving this award, it speaks volumes about how the organization views him um, in terms of what he's doing for the community. It speaks volumes about how his teammates view him as well and as you said yeah man we watched this kid come from ucla the the maturity wasn't always there and 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 not necessarily in the sense that he was doing crazy things off the field or anything like that or you know we we were seeing him in news for jacks or the four times junior for uh incidents that happened off the field Uh, but the maturity in terms of maturing as a player and now we're really seeing him develop into a, a good young man that's helping the community uh, they had some of the the accolades that you know that he's helped out with. Yeah, he went he went across seas um, for uh, you know a trip to take and um, visit with the USO, and it's been plenty of other things. I think he has a scholarship out there uh, that he gives out for, to uh, Edwards Waters College or or two scholarships. I think he does a, a you know back to school drive in terms of giving kids school supplies. Uh, this, that, and the other. So, you know, this is a guy that's really trying to help out the community. And then also, he's also entrenching himself in the Jacksonville community in a sense that, if I can recall, he uh, bought a share or owns a piece of the uh, hockey team, the Iceman, yeah, as well. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. right. 
So this is a guy that really, really, you know, is trying to make a difference in the Jacksonville community, obviously loves the Jacksonville community. And uh, we wish him the best in terms of winning the award in terms of, you know, uh, against all of the other 31 players that uh, that also received the Walter Payton Man of the Year awards for their respective teams. And also congratulations to them, too, because, again, we also we just don't need great football players in the athletic community, not just football, but, you know, in, in the NBA. We also need good people in society and good people for the communities of, uh, you know, these places that they're playing in. Certainly. And yeah, thanks for clearing that up here, Jay. Of course, Miles Jack has not been in any trouble whatsoever off the field. We're just talking about solely as far as maturity on the field. We've seen just tremendous growth from him over the last couple of years. And this is very, very much deserved as an honor to just be a nominee. Additionally, now on some uh, <laughs> to look at some football news here, Jay, the Jacksonville Jaguars have moved up to number two in the draft order. The Detroit Lions, of course, got their first win. They leapfrogged the Houston Texans, uh, so they find themselves at 2-10 and 10 with the number two pick overall. Now, Jay, we're going to talk about here, I want to talk to you in a little bit about really just the difference in these two teams because you got into it, not got into it, but you discussed this with somebody on Twitter. As far as the difference between what we're seeing between the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I want to talk to you about that here in just a moment, but you got to wonder if they do find themselves you know, in position to get that number one pick. The Detroit Lions remaining games are against the Cardinals, Falcons, Seahawks, and Packers. Of course, Jacksonville lost to three of those four teams. And then the final few opponents for the Jacksonville Jaguars include the uh, Tennessee Titans, Houston Texans, Patriots, Jets, and then I believe the Indianapolis Colts one more time. So uh, that's what we're looking at here. Uh, So the Jacksonville Jaguars moving up to number two in the draft order. And of course, you know, they won't be looking at a quarterback this year, Jay, but there are some really, really talented players that, that are going to be available at the top of that draft. Yeah, that's where I've actually somehow found uh, my joy in the covering football is now that I realize that they're looking at the number two pick, perhaps, uh, you know, it, they could pick later than that or they could pick sooner than that. It depends on what's going on, you know, with the Lions and uh, the Jets as well is in there. They're in the mix with uh, the Texans as well. And we play the Jets and Texans. So that's why, you know, basically this can all get screwed up. But, you know, yeah, man, like with the uh, with a top two pick potentially coming our way, man, as everybody know, like I'm a draft guy. That's really how I got into writing and journalism really is. That's what I am at the core of my heart is a guy that studies or likes to study the draft. I gotten a little bit away from that as I've covered the Jacksonville Jaguars. But yeah, man, it, that that part has made it fun this last week for me is, uh, you know, starting to look over that film. I started that process to look over the film at uh, Kayvon and, and Aiden Hutchinson and some of these guys that you name, you know, at the top of these big boards, Kyle Hamilton, uh, it's a few others. Evan Neal, of course, you know, all of these guys of which could help the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that's kind of been fun. But yeah, man, like just looking forward to the future in terms of, you know, like we said, like uh, the whole free agency thing. We don't know how that's going to go. But the draft, you can more so predict how that will go as opposed to free agency, especially when you got one of the top two picks, if we have one of the top two picks. And uh, yeah, I, I do believe that just looking at some of these young men uh, that a little bit of help could be on the way in terms of, you know, getting one of those top 
uh, defensive ends. Um, I, I, me personally, I think, and I'll have to watch some more film on him. I, I think I like Kayvon a little bit more than Aiden right now. But either, either or would be nice additions to this defense, and that, and that kind of makes you excited because then Josh Allen gets the help he needs, and you know maybe they become more of a top fifteen, top 10, 10 type of unit. Um, as they've shown a little bit of growth, not so much in the last week, but they've shown a little bit of growth, and you know they are the group. I guess you could say. Uh, that we're most hopeful of when looking at the offense and the defense right now. Yeah, we did get news today that Kayvon Thibodeau will be foregoing his bowl game and start preparing for the NFL draft. So that process has already begun as we've seen that more and more. And Jay, I know it's just way too early for me to ask you this question, but you know, say we end up picking number two, and of course they're not going to be in a position to... Say, say they pick at number one or number two, and somebody else farther down in the draft, say it's the New York Jets uh, who have two picks, of course, up there in the top 10. You know, say somebody really wants Thibodeau or Hutchinson, whichever guy falls there. I mean, I feel like you got to consider making a trade, right? Say the Jets are picking at four and six and they pony up both of those picks. You got to consider that, right? I mean, you take two really good guys maybe over the one pass rusher. Is that something you think that would even be in play? Again, I'm putting you on the spot because it's way too early to be asking this question. <laughs> Yo, we got to make fun of this podcast somehow. And that's an interesting question. That's a great question. You always have to be ears. You have to be open. You have to, you can't hang up the phone in anybody's face, right? You you always have to be ears. But, you know, for this Jacksonville Jaguars team who just got one more win, or at least for now only has one more win over, you know, what they had last year, uh, you know, getting an elite pass rusher like, you know, Kayvon would be huge, you know, and at the least, and I view it this way, and you know, th- this stuff, this kind of stuff changes and, you know, uh, you know, maybe my mind can be steered into maybe, you know, trading back on um, the more and more we do evaluations and of course, free agency plays into it though. But yeah, the way I view it is at least with getting Kayvon or maybe Aiden Hutchinson, again, I got to watch more on Aiden Hutchinson and uh, Kayvon, but the thing about that is if you take one of those guys, you're starting to move the franchise uh, in the direction of what we've seen them be successful with in the past. And what I mean by that, right, is, for example, the Atlanta Braves, who are, are another one of my favorite teams. We've always known them to be a pitching organization, you know, an organization built on pitching. The John Smoltz of the world, uh, the, you know, Maddox's of the world, um, you know, your Max Freeze of the world type of thing. Well, the Jacksonville Jaguars, when you look at their history and what they've been the most successful with is with building on defense. Even in 2017, that team was built around a defense. So, you know, if we can start trending back in that direction, at least of having a good defense, uh, that really, really helps. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, you got to always be open ears because, uh, you know, who knows? You could flip that into two first round picks and, you know, get you some help on defense and get our quarterback some help in Trevor Lawrence. You always got to be open ears for it. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting back to the glory days, although I do want to get some help for Trevor Lawrence of where, you know, it was Stroud and Henderson in the trenches and people just couldn't sit there and grill burgers in the pocket against us. No, absolutely. And, again, I'm not going to be mad if we end up with Hutchinson or Cape on Thibodeau. I am just going to start now putting the idea in people's heads of the Jaguars somehow drafting Derek Stingley and Kyle Hamilton. I'm just going to throw it out there into the universe. <laughs> Because it sounds like something that I could pull off in Madden and that would never happen in real life. But the New York Jets are going to have an opportunity to take two of these really, really good players 
And, uh, you know, it's just an envious position to be in. Probably the only time you would ever be envious of the New York Jets, to be honest with you. But, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there because, again, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's getting to be that time of the year where we start looking ahead uh, at one of our favorite times, which is, of course, breaking down the draft. But with that being said here, Jay, we are going to talk about the game in just a moment. And, uh, you know, I have a few things to say that have uh, kind of been just sitting with me because, as you mentioned, I did make the trip out to Los Angeles to watch this team again in person for the third week in a row which for those of you that, that have season tickets or see them every single week live, it's draining, man. So I do have something I want to say before we talk about that. But before we get into those takeaways, I do want to bring up our other sponsor, which is Lightbox, because you can say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as a classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price, so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. So visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. And speaking of never a dull moment, Jay, there's definitely never a dull moment in covering this team because there's always something to talk about. And, uh, you know, I just have some things I want to say here, Jay, before we get started, because this game really took a toll on me. And I don't know if it was just because, you know, being out there in, in person and, you know, seeing SoFi Stadium and, per, you know, live, you know, and I'll talk about SoFi. I have some thoughts about the stadium myself as well that we will get into but we, we traveled over 2,400 miles to watch this team play, all right? No one, no one asked us or forced us to do this. We certainly could have spent our time and money elsewhere. But we bought these tickets months ago under the assumption that by this time of the year, the team would be getting better. They would be progressing, moving in the right direction. Now, even back then, did I expect the Jaguars to beat a legitimate Super Bowl contender? No, of course not. What I did expect to see was a competent football team. Now, of course, take injuries and all that out of the picture, all right? The team is what it is at this point. Some of those things are out of their control. But what was not expected at this junction was a coaching staff that's partially incompetent. We'll talk about them here in a moment. An offensive coordinator that couldn't scheme his way out of a paper bag. A head coach that doesn't have any semblance of what the hell is going on within his own staff. And one thing was made very clear and very apparent on my trip to SoFi, Jay. Now more than ever, the Jaguars are a punchline. They are nothing more than a joke of a team masquerading as an NFL franchise right now. Rams fans were smirking and laughing at myself and my friends, my sister, uh, my soon-to-be brother-in-law in our Jags gear before the game even started. And maybe this is par for the course, but mind you, this is my first Jaguar away game I've attended since Tampa in 2015. The regime isn't even a year in, and it's already a travesty. You luck into a generational talent, a potential face of the franchise, and you give him a first-time NFL head coach that would rather go hang out in a college bar than ask his damn running back coach what the hell is going on with the play calling for one of the best players on his team and James Robinson. To say I was on the fence about this hire to begin with was putting it lightly. Urban Meyer is a disaster, all right? And Mr. Khan, I don't give a damn about the money. At the end of the season, it's time to move on. We are, we are here. We are at this point. Uh, I am over at Jay. And that's what has been festering with me over the last point. Again, maybe this is just all being elevated because I was in attendance. 
and you don't want to see your team perform that way on the road. You want to have some sense of pride. And I certainly didn't leave SoFi Stadium with any pride. I was definitely more so very, very embarrassed. Yeah, well, the first thing I want to say, who were the Rams fans? And not that you know them, but who were the Ram fans laughing at y'all? Because, uh, like, let, let's let's not forget, they, they've been a joke of a franchise at one point in time, too. And uh, Not now, very I'll long be, ago. You're right. And albeit now. Uh, they they figured it out and they're they're playing better and this that and the other. Also though, you could make the point that they're a little bit overrated right now. Like they, you know, like I would have put money on this Rams team to win and go to the Super Bowl about a few months ago. Now I'm looking at them like, are they like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, they're a first Tro- round exit right now. Right, right. Is Troy Aikman? So like, I don't, I don't. What I'm saying is, I don't see what gave them the room to laugh at y'all. You know, people that flew from halfway across from cross country uh, to watch their team, albeit the team looked like a joke. I don't know what gave those people the right to laugh at y'all and y'all show y'all support in a, a unwavering way, you know, and spending the money and, you know, spending the time and all of that there, you know, traveling takes a lot of time and effort, especially uh, to do it from cross country. So, um, you know, that kind of that kind of angers me that people thought like, like, hey, like those people are a joke for coming over. No, like you, you like your team just like everybody else does. You know, like you can't blame somebody for being a fan of their team through thick and thin. As you said, even when they are a joke and they are on the bottom of the totem pole. So, yeah, that don't sit well with me because, like I said, like the Rams were just tra- a travesty not too long ago. And also uh, what you said on Shai Khan, I'm with you wholeheartedly on the whole money thing. And that part, I've thought about that part a lot too. And for me, this is the thing about it. When the moment Shotgun told his team and had the gall to tell his team to turn in that card for Trevor Lawrence, right? The moment he told them to do that and he okayed that, it no longer became about him. It no longer became about his money. It no longer became about none of that. It became about Trevor Lawrence. Because that's the most valuable piece in, you could argue having a franchise quarterback is the most valuable piece in sports, not just necessarily the game of football. So it's a situation when you get one, you have to treat it with the care and the time and and whatever else needs to go into it, the delicacy, you know, you know, being delicate with it, should I say, uh, you need to treat it with all of that. And that being said, when they turned in that card, it no longer became about, well, hey, I invested a lot of money into this coaching staff and I need to keep them around uh, so, you know, I can, you, you know, so, so so I won't lose money or whatever the case may be. Because, look, by the way, you don't mind losing money of the fans when they go out there and you take their season ticket money. You don't mind going out there and, and losing money on behalf of the taxpayers when they just paid for, you know, a new flex field for the team, which, by the way, you're using more taxpayer money, by the way, to build another indoor facility. So that flex field you built just two years ago, we got to find new use for it. You know, albeit we still we're, we're still going to use Daly's place and I'm sure they'll find something to do with the, the flex field and, and this, that and the other. But what I'm saying is you don't treat the fans money with care. And that being said, you know, if you have to cut bait with Urban Meyer and his staff and it's going to cost you some money, 
then that's just what you got to do. Because again, when you turn in the card for Trevor Lawrence, it became about him and not about you and your money and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I'm, I'm really with you on that in terms of, you know, letting Urban Meyer go. Well, you know, I've always been an advocate of um, not hiring him in the first place like you were as well. But, you know, now that we're at this point where you're seeing a mistreatment or the mistreatment of, you know, one of your best players, it's an ongoing trend. You know, we saw this with the last guys you brought in here with Tom Coughlin and company. We saw that with them. Now we're seeing it with, you know, with this this uh, set of guys and Trent Baalke and uh, not necessarily Trent Baalke directly, but, you know, Urban Meyer and this regime, should I say. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, you got to step in and address that because you're going to have a hard time getting free agents in here once they this story spreads like the wildfire that it will. Are you going to have you're going to have a hard time for Urban Meyer also to be able to get this locker room, which looked like they were fighting for him to fight for him because they're witnessing one of their own basically uh, get mistreated. And, you know, and it, and shout outs to one last thing. I know I'm getting long winded here, but shout outs to James Robinson for going out there and, you know, saying what he said and being a, a true professional at that. Like, that's a hard question for a, a young man to answer, by the way. And also, good job by Dan Hicken. And I know a lot of us, you know, we, we have our gripes and complaints about the local media. But when they do right, we need to say that they're doing right. Shout outs to Dan Hicken and Brent Martineau for even asking that question. Because people were out here with pitchforks and, and all that and torches blaming the media for, you know, Urban Meyer shortcomings and saying that the media, it falls on the media. They need to attack Urban Meyer like the fans would, which is not their job, by the way. They need to attack Urban Meyer uh, like, like the fans would and get, you know, get him to answer this, that, and the other. Well, guess what? Urban Meyer, they're asking the questions. It's not that they're not asking the question. Urban Meyer isn't answering them, and he isn't answering them how the fans want. So don't turn that towards the media and make this about them. It's not about them. They're not perfect, but this is not about them. This is about Shot Khan making the wrong decision. And bringing Urban Meyer into this organization, and he's not answering the question how the fans want. And if the media did ask any extracurricular questions that you wanted them to ask, he wouldn't answer them. And he's shown that. This is about Urban Meyer, not the media. So let's get that clear right now as well. And uh, you know, let's let's stop blaming them for the shortcomings of this franchise. Exactly, one hundred percent with you there, Jay. Because uh, yeah, you know, hit on a lot of good points, and. You have this. This is an opportunity again. When are you going to get another chance to bring a Trevor Lawrence in? Is he struggling? Yes, absolutely. But you said this in the text thread earlier, Jay. He's throwing to receivers that probably wouldn't be on other NFL rosters. You know, I, I think I saw in the article that was posted as to the Jaguars wire as far as some takeaways from Twitter that people were saying Laquan Treadwell, and on all due respect to Laquan Treadwell, he's been playing great. He's our best receiver right now, and he wouldn't be on an NFL roster if it weren't for Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke. Like, that's what he has to deal with right now. Go ahead, Jay. I ain't going to front, man. I, I think Laquan Treadwell is a guy that could be a real good receiver. I think he might be the only one on his team right now that could be a really good receiver. Like, he's really surprised me, and his work ethic, too, man, is he has the work ethic to get better. I know he's at like the age of 26 right now, but he's still relatively young, man. 
And I'm not going to front. I actually hope Laquan Treadwell somehow sticks around with the new, because I do think they need a new whole cast of new receivers and a new receivers coach. I hope he sticks around and is like the wide receiver six, him and him and Agnew probably. I hope those two stick around with, you know, the addition of, you know, some guys that belong at the top of the depth chart, more like, you know, these guys we thrown out there, you know, maybe somebody from the draft or a Chris Godwin or Allen Robinson or so on and so forth for Devontae Adams. Uh, but yeah, like I just want to get that off my chest too uh, in terms of uh, Laquan Treadwell. And I, I do think he could be a serviceable receiver. And also, yeah, one one other thing that I want to spin back on is uh, that I touched on on the, uh, the whole media thing. This just hit me too, as uh, you were talking about all of the points that was made there. Now, let's not forget when, Urban Meyer hired Chris Doyle here that Michael DeRocco was the first one, the first one, literally the first question Michael DeRocco of ESPN was the first guy to ask him about that situation because Chris Doyle had some racial incidents as Michael DeRocco put it. And, uh, you know, he, he had some incidents with some players. So let's not forget like the media again, they aren't perfect. I've had, I have my gripes about the media as well. And, you know, I think me and you have voiced those greats, Phil. Uh, but that's a conversation for another time. But one thing I'm not going to point the finger at them for doing, and it's not because I'm within the media, but I'm not going to point the finger at them for not, you know, asking the question in terms of the Urban Meyer situation. Because ever since we hired Urban Meyer, they've at least answered, asked the questions. They might not be asking them as aggressively as people want, but that's not their job again. And then on the other side of this here, Jay, when we're on the topic of Urban Meyer, and as you guys can probably tell, there's not really many takeaways we have for this game because there's not really much else for us to say as far as the team. Again, it is what it is. The other side of this is a conversation you got into with somebody with uh, uh, in regards to the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell and just kind of how day and night those two organizations look. The thing that we have here, Jay, with the Rams, I'm sorry, with the Lions, that's kind of unique is we have a lot of similar opponents, so we can kind of see it, pick and choose, hey, how are the Lions playing against these some, some of these other teams? They played pretty well against the Niners, 41-33, and also let me preface this by saying I haven't watched any film on the Lions really this year at all, okay? I really only see what I can see at face value. I know they went into LA and kind of punched them in the mouth and almost came out with, you know, they, they look like they may come out with a victory there. That's one of those, those games that the Rams, you know, kind of almost blew. It was 28-19, they ended up losing. The point I'm trying to make is the Lions went into SoFi Stadium and looked like a competent football team, whereas the Jaguars came out and looked like they were playing a totally, on a totally different level. They got blown out by the Bengals, so we played pretty well against Cincinnati, but also Cincinnati was rolling right around that time, mid-October. Um, let's see here. They also, and then of course they have some games coming up here against Denver, as I mentioned, Arizona, Atlanta, and Seattle. Four of their next five games, we get to see direct comparisons to how these two teams have played. And I'll be honest with you, Jay, I was one of those guys in the beginning of the year, Dan Campbell's coming out and talking about biting ankles and kneecaps and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, what in the hell is this? I did not buy into it whatsoever. But what's going on in Detroit is you're seeing a team that is devoid of talent similar to us that is playing very, very well. And they're responding to whatever is happening in there. I don't know who's really on the coaching staff in Detroit. I don't really, I'm not very familiar with their personnel other than Jamal Williams, who is just an amazing soundbite each and every single week. I love that guy. Yeah, he's one of us. He's an anime, uh, he's an anime weeb. So that guy gets it. But I don't really know much about the Lions. All I know is that the team is playing hard. 
against some really, really tough competition. And if that was happening here, Jay, and like we've pointed this out too, they were com- they've been competitive in certain situations, but they've also had instances where, like you said, Urban Meyer doesn't know how to answer a question at a press conference. I'm not really seeing that out of Dan Campbell. And, you know, I'm, I'm again, not really watching a lot of Dan Campbell pressers, but it just feels different. Can you explain to me how a 110-1 team is just so, seems night and day different from our 2-10 and 10 team? Well, you kind of answer your own question there, right? It's when you look at the press conferences, right? And again, I haven't necessarily seen a lot of Dan Campbell press conferences, but I'm going to assume here, and I know we shouldn't do that, but hey, it's my podcast. It's our <laughs> podcast. We can do what the hell we want, right? We so reach out to I'm some just going to and, and find out. Right. I'm just going to assume when you look at a Dan Campbell press conference in comparison to a Urban Meyer press conference, more of the answers that the media is asking is getting answered as opposed to, I don't know, or I'll have to rely, I'll have to relate to my coach on that, or, you know, I'm not quite sure how to answer that right now. We get a lot of that with Urban Meyer. With Dan Campbell, you know, it feels like Dan Campbell belongs in the NFL and he knows the ways of the NFL. And I think that gives, you know, their fans, despite them having a a worse record than us, that gives their fans a more positive outlook on their team than the Jacksonville Jaguars who have double the amount of wins they have, which they have two wins. Uh, I think that's what plays into it is that they believe Dan Campbell is NFL ready and can eventually get there, if that makes sense. I don't know if that does, but let me know. (laughs) No, that definitely makes sense. And also, we've seen Dan Campbell handle himself very, very well. Jay, the the thing that really, really won me over, and again, I was already wavering on the side of, oh, I was wrong about this guy, was in this past game after the win, and he mentioned, of course, all the victims, you know, of the of the just a tragic school shooting from just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I don't know, just something about him really, I get a sense of leadership from Dan Campbell that I'm not getting from Urban Meyer, if that makes sense. That tracks, right? Yes, it does. And that's why, I don't know, it might have been on this podcast or it might have been in a text story with you and Boogie. But that's why when everybody was laughing and, again, you know, since... Hell, this is an air out episode since we airing stuff out. And I said it, you know, I, that was the tweet that you mentioned. You know, that's why when everybody jumped on the whole wagon of laughing at him and calling him all of this, that and the other, I didn't jump on with that. And I put it in the text thread with you and Boogie like, I like what Dan Campbell did. You know, people, oh, uh, he's going to hire Todd Wash, who was a terrible offense which he was a terrible by the way he uh excuse me not offensive but he was a terrible defensive coordinator for the Jags aside from 2017 but let's not forget Todd Wash may be more of a defensive line coach which that's what Dan Campbell has him in in his niche let's not forget Yannick Ngakwe was strip sacking people like crazy under the uh you know and, and you know this is stuff he brought from Maryland with him in his toolbox but you know let's not forget these he got some good play out of the defensive line in terms of being a defensive line coach and coaching defensive linemen. You know, the, there were times when you, we can go back as far as, you know, Red Bryant, you know, when they had guys like that and Chris Clemens, he was getting the best out of those guys who was at the end of their career as he could get, you know, um, 
that didn't necessarily translate to them being the best defensive line. And then, you know, you he got in guys, and, and albeit a lot of these guys were also veterans uh, from before that, that had established themselves elsewhere, like Marcel Darius and this, that, and the other. Uh, but still, nonetheless, when it came to coaching up the defensive line, like it was a lot of times where you could see things translating in terms of the defensive line play and this, that, and the other. So who who's to say that, you know, Todd Wash won't flourish as a defensive line coach more so than a defensive coordinator? I know that's an unpopular opinion and people hate him here and people want us to trash him. And we've done our share of calling out Todd Wash for when he was a defensive coordinator see some future episodes or previous episodes for that. But going back to Dan Campbell, people were giggling and laughing and calling him out like this guy's a psychopath. And admittedly, you know, saying you're going to bite kneecaps and all that is a little bit crazy. Jay, but and not not to me, cut you off. And also, you have to be a little crazy to play this game. Like, you have to have a little bit of crazy in you to be involved in, in football. <laughs> and that you are so right. And that's literally, if you remember the text that I sent you in Boogie, that's literally the text that I sent. I, I sent that you, you have to have some wires missing or you have to have a coach or two with some wires missing on your staff. And <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but for us, we were like, well, who's that guy for us? Who's the coach on here with some wires missing? And it's Joe Cullen, you know, like, and we're not we in, a, in a bad <laughs> way. And, and again, we're not saying that in a bad way. You look at Joe Cullen and he's a lot, it's a lot of Dan Campbell in him, right? He gets through to the players. They love him. They understand how he's speaking to them. You know, it, albeit it might come off as a little abrasive, a little harsh. You know, he told Taven Bryant he was out there playing patty cake one day. Look at how Taven Bryant has responded. You know, he's playing better. Uh, look at this defense in general, aside from, again, you know, this game, they didn't look all that great. But, you know, they can only hold the floodgates for so long. But look at, look at how this defense is more so ascending and trending in the right direction than this offense and Daryl Bevel. We can't say that for Daryl Bevel in this offense. So what I'm saying is Dan Campbell, people were laughing and joking at him, but, you know, some things come out of his mouth are a little crazy, a little weird, but when you get down to the research and finding out who he is, he's a very likable dude, and he's a, a leader amongst men, and he can get people to follow him and, and uh, believe in whatever the final goal is. And that's what's going on over there in Detroit is they believe in the final goal. And, you know, like you just look at Dan Campbell's past. I can, I think he was with the uh, Miami Dolphins at one point in time. And, you know, people laugh when he became a head coach, but people were saying Dan Campbell was head coach material when he was like a special teams coach with the Miami Dolphins, because you could feel that leadership that exuded off of him. And you could, you could tell who were, who were going to be, future head coaches and who aren't, you know, the Joe Brady's of the world, um, you know, these young, the Mike Kafka's of the world, you can tell when they're young that they're going to be a future head coach. Uh, Kellen Moore is another one, right? You, I'm sure you're familiar with him, very familiar with him as a Dallas Cowboy fan. So that was kind of Dan Campbell about five, six, seven, eight years ago is what I'm saying. And, you know, he built a great staff, you know, in my opinion, that's what I said in the text as well. Yeah, he got a few wires uh, <laughs> missing. But look at that staff, man. Mark Brunel, a former player. Aaron Glenn's on that staff. You know, maybe Todd Washell trans. Like, Deuce Staley, right? Ain't Deuce Staley over there with the running backs or something, if I can recall. Future players or, or former players, man. And people were laughing at him. 
And now the crazy thing about it is if it was if it was a lot of jazz fans laughing at what Dan Campbell said in that <laughs> that interview, now you know, you could say that Lions fans can laugh at the coaching staff that we have that Urban Meyer put together. Uh, and it, it, it ain't looking all that, you know, funny and all kicks and giggles as, as it was uh, not too long ago. Yeah. And, you know, just while you, we were talking here, Jay, I put it out to uh, Honolulu Blue Pod, who we've had on in the past. Of course, we played the Lions last year. And I just straight up asked them, hey, how's Dan Campbell in press conferences? Seems like Urban Meyer is completely lost sometimes. And I'm just curious about how he handles himself. And I got a response pretty much right away, Jay, while we were talking here. They said he's honest, clear, emotional, all of it, takes ownership. He's a leader of men, not just a football mind. And that's pretty evident. So there you go. That was their response. The exact opposite of Urban Meyer. A lot of those traits were opposite of not taking accountability, blaming Coach Parmalee, who is the, you know, the the running backs coach, blaming him for the mismanagement of James Robinson snaps, right? When you're the head coach, let's not forget that you're the head coach. Ultimately, you get the final say. If they're putting Carlos Hyde in there and you don't want Carlos Hyde in there, you want your better player in there, you say that. What is Shot Khan paying you? What did he whine and dine you for on your jet, or on his jet and his boats and all of this, that, and the other? What did he whine and dine you for and pay you this, this uh, crazy amount of money for? If you can't make the simple decisions of who needs to be on the field personnel wise, you know, that's what comes with being an NFL coach at times. You don't want to micromanage the death out of your team necessarily, but you get paid to step in when needed. And he's not stepping in when needed. He's throwing people under the bus and they maybe deserve to be thrown under the bus. We don't know if Parmalee is crazy enough to put Carlos Hyde out there over James Robinson and mistreat James Robinson. Yeah, you deserve to get thrown under the bus. But as a head coach, as Urban Meyer, you have to take accountability for that because you hired Coach Parmalee. Take accountability for it. And basically what Honolulu Blue said, shout outs to them, is Dan Campbell's doing the exact opposite. And that answers your question from before, Phil. Why do these teams, these two teams feel different despite them having one less win than us and, you know, not, um, you know, basically being in, in the line for the number one overall pick? That's why. Because the people in Detroit believe he's an NFL caliber head coach and have faith in him. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up for both of us. I mean, that's kind of where we stand on the situation, we know a lot of you feel the exact same way. And, you know, I feel like because we are saying all this and because the fan base is, you know, calling for change, I feel like we're just days away here, Jay, from a Shad Khan statement saying that he is backing Urban Meyer. Uh, that's just how it goes with this franchise. That's how it goes with Shad Khan. And I, uh, as much as I do hope that this situation presents itself in which Urban Meyer will be told he is going to be relieved of his duties just looking at Shad Khan and his history I just uh you know at the same time I just don't think it's going to happen I unless something catastrophic happens which I you can argue that that's we're already at that point I don't see it happening uh, as much as I want to try and will it into existence here Jay both of us and a lot of the fan base I think it is what it is and they're going to try and run this back at least for another year and then maybe there's a little bit more of a possibility it happens this year or again if it's this disastrous throughout the season maybe it happens then but I'm not sure uh, you know as you can tell by 
my uh, my little bit of a rant there earlier. I'm kind of at a point now where I'm just kind of desperate for some sort of change to happen, and uh, it's frustrating because you don't really know when that's going to happen. You know, you get another you're, you're going to have another opportunity here in this next draft to get a what could be a franchise changing talent. And I have no faith whatsoever in the current regime to get that right or to, to get the – maybe they can get the right player, but I don't have any confidence that they can develop that player and, and improve this organization in the way that it needs to be improved. Yeah, well, I kind of differ from you in, the, in a sense that – well, we, we've already kind of talked on it with, with Joe Cullen. We, we're seeing the growth. So if that player is a defensive player and he's the number two or number one overall pick – He's going to see playtime on the field, a lot of playtime on the field. And we've at least seen that Joe Cullen has the capability. This doesn't go for the whole franchise. But Joe Cullen has the capability to coach up the defensive side and get that to, you know, who knows, maybe where we were in 2017. Eventually, it might take some time. But again, just kind of going back to the Dan Campbell comparison and Joe Cullen comparison is. You know, at least, you know, he's the guy that I have faith in the most on his staff. Albeit now he he got caught in some some terrible situations too, man. Like it was uh I can't remember like Cooper Cup got caught up on Dewey Wingard one on one at times. And it, it was just, you know, like he he's gonna have those moments too, though, because the Rams are simply they have talent everywhere. But yeah, in terms of what you were saying about Shot Khan. To put things in perspective, yeah, the reason why we probably don't have a lot of faith, me and you, in him moving on, and he he definitely should, by the way, which we've said many, many times already, but the reason why we don't have faith in him moving on is because, not even because of solely because of the money he may have invested and the time he may have invested into this group, but also, we've also seen Shotgun in the past, and by the way, this is the perfect time for him to do it is when the season is over uh, because Shaq Khan told us and the reports are out that he was going to be more hands-on. Remember that? This is going to be the year, Phil, that I'm going to be more hands-on. Okay, well, if you're more hands-on, you're observing this stuff a little bit closer and you're a little bit closer to it than you were in the, the years past when you had Tom Coughlin and it was probably going under your nose because you weren't as involved with the team. Now you're witnessing this firsthand because you said that you were going to be more hands-on and witness some of this stuff a little bit more close up in person. That being said, we saw him, what was it, two, uh, 2019, now that we've heard the story, if the story is true, you know, he was there, and Tony Khan, we're guessing, we're assuming, they were there when Jalen Ramsey was cussed out or whatever the case may be by Dave Caldwell and had the door slammed behind him. Shad Khan and Tony Khan were there from how we gather it. We don't know for sure. That's but that's what it sounded like it was the yeah, I think Jalen Ramsey said the owner and the owner's son was there. I think we'll have to go back and look at that. I believe and, so, yeah. And Dave Caldwell stuck around for not only the rest of that season, right? But another year. And you just saw the mistreatment of a player. And that's not to say Jalen Ramsey is perfect by any way, shape, or form, by the way. That that's totally not what we're saying here because he can you know he can have his ways as well but you know he didn't deserve that to be cussed out and the door slammed on him um just think about if your employer did you that way you know one of the higher up in your it your place of work did that to you you'll want to leave too you want to quit you probably would have your two weeks notice or 
hell, your one your one day notice up typed up the next day. If somebody in the, you know your field talked to you like that, so you know he witnessed that, and that incident is one you could take and say like, yeah, shotgun definitely might hold on to Herman Meyer. Uh, unfortunately, and as crazy as that sounds. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a time will tell thing. I mean, like, it would be fantastic if he did move on from Urban Meyer. Yeah, Jay. And, uh, of course, you know, we will always continue to monitor what is going on with uh, our team. And, uh, you know, if anything, you could never accuse us of, you know, not being passionate. We're saying all these things because we love this franchise. And, you know, Jay, I know it's even more difficult for you because you got to be analytical and you got to be a fan at the same time and myself as well. Like, it makes it tough. You know, you, you look at the things you want from a fan side of things. They may not line up with what financially, you know, financially or analytically or whatever the case may be. They just may not make sense. They may not be equal to one another. So just know that for all of you who are listening, you know, we're, we're feeling it too. You know, for, if you've been listening to us, if you've been listening to us for a long time, we know how, fr- you, how frustrated we can get with this team. And, uh, you know, even when things do seem to at least trend in the right direction just a little bit, they seem to take, you know, those multiple steps back. So. We'll continue to see what happens, and of course, we will look ahead to the second matchup with the Tennessee Titans that's coming up here this weekend. But Jay, um, you know, I feel like that's kind of a good place to to wrap it up. I mean, we touched on pretty much everything we wanted to. Is there anything else you want to mention before we uh, look ahead to to next week and and focus on, uh, you know, hopefully getting better? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit it on the head, man. You know, to all our listeners, which again, we, we love and appreciate. And um, all of the other Jags fans out there, man, you know, just my advice is, as we said, kind of take your breaks from this team where you can. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some of y'all got season tickets, so you can you can't necessarily do that. But, you know, just, you know, take breaks from them where you can. And when you have to go there on Sunday, go in there and somehow sit through it (laughs) and, 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 you know, get back to uh, the other things that's important in life. If you can, you know, if you want, this is uh, America. So. Uh, unfortunately for me, uh, my job concerns them. So I can't walk away from them like that. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I just kind of got to endure. So, uh, that being said, uh, yeah, I appreciate all of the listens. Once again, all the feedback, hit us up on Twitter. We'll have more on the Jaguars wire in terms of, um, you know, looking ahead to this week's opponent, the Tennessee Titans. I have the podcast with Broadway media up or I'll, I'll put a link up when they get that up. For you all to see how I'm feeling about the game, whatever the case may be, my thoughts heading into the game. Of course, uh, we'll just do a little spoiler alert. I didn't predict the Jags to win, but <laughs> uh, that being said, we'll have more behind, you know, enemy lines type stuff and just previews of the Titans on uh, the Jaguars wire, as we typically do, you know, heading into Sunday's game. But, you know, after this crazy episode we just had and, you know, what's going on with the Jaguars right now, it feels like it'll be the most urban meyer like thing to win the game and try and draw everybody in that's <laughs> you know we were at a low point before that we won against Dude. the dolphins then we were at a low point before the the next win with the bills right you know like it's the most urban Meyer thing to uh win a game and give shot some hope right and some belief right and, but let, let's just hope that's probably not the case. And I mean, for the sake of the draft, we probably don't need to win no more games because we're looking at a pr- pretty good prospect right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all team lose them from here on out, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, God, that, that would just be the most not only Urban Meyer thing, but Jaguar thing to happen. So 
So yeah, make sure you keep up with the JaguarsWire.usatoday.com as well as Believe in the Jags Pod on Twitter and uh, follow us, Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is at SportsGrind underscore Don, and we'll keep you up to date on everything that's going on with the Jaguars, give you, uh, you know, analysis throughout the entire week as well. Again, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to check out uh, or head on over to Apple Podcasts if you're listening on your Apple device and leave us a five-star review. You can also check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Luminary, TuneIn, and Amazon Music. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. And again, shout out to our sponsors, Bet Online, as well as Lightbox. This has been Believe in the Jaguars with Phil Smith and James Johnson. Don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but more importantly, believe in yourselves, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.